have to tell you, every year, All Saints shines brightly during our celebration of what has affectionately become known as simply Seafood Fest. Now, for some of you who may not have been here yesterday, let me just explain to you. Seafood Fest is one of the big fundraising events we have here at All Saints. Probably it is the biggest, I'm sure, of the whole year. The men of All Saints organize it, but it takes a, a big team of folks to do it. And yesterday we had a great turnout and a lot of fun. And if you just want to get a sense of it, walk back behind the church and you'll pick up the smell of shrimp still hanging in the air, still hanging in the, in the air. It's a wonderful time and we shine great as a parish community and as a family for Seafood Fest. But there's a whole lot of work. It takes a lot of work to put it together. It takes a good deal of money to raise money in a church event. And yes, every year I find myself praying that no wine bottles will somehow roll over into the parking lot of our Mormon brothers and sisters next door. I've heard tell that's happened once before, but I think we've been safe during my tenure, and I hope it remains that way. But as much as it is to set up, organize, and pull off for the men of all saints and their team of men, women, and youth, it is still, I believe, absolutely worth every step because Seafood Fest always brings us, as I've already said, together as a family. It invites our community and neighborhood to come and pay us a visit. And yes, it auctions off some nice items, some locations, and some events that help raise a little cash for our life and ministry here at All Saints. That's really what any good event that happens outside of worship should be for a church community. And as always, we do it quite well here at All Saints. And at the core of all of that is one essential issue that comes up. And that issue, of course, is the issue of trust. To pull off any major event, we have to trust that we have everything needed to make it happen before we get started with it. We have to ensure that those who said they will lend a hand will show up, that everything required for success will be laid out, stations manned and womaned, and that everything will be run with vigor and with the best of our capabilities. And I'll admit to you that as your rector with the sole responsibility of opening up this church on Sunday mornings for God's worship and praise, a Saturday night event like Seafood Fest always makes me more than just a little bit nervous. It makes me nervous because no matter how great Saturday night turns out to be, Sunday morning at this church must always be the focal point of all that we are about as the body of Christ Therefore, this campus has to be ready at all times, no matter what goes on, to welcome anyone, any of you, who show up on a Sunday morning seeking God in Jesus Christ. That means that this house and campus must be in order. And so it takes tremendous trust that that is exactly how it's going to be when I come rolling in at about 8.58, oh, sorry, 7.58, not 8.58, on Saturday, on Sunday morning after the event of Seafood Fest. And I have to tell you, after six years, aside from a few oyster shells, which I'm not even seeing this year, and maybe a couple of streamers of police tape that always remain out on this side of the church, that's always what the men of All Saints and every person on their team continue to do. And because of that, trust is always assured. Thanks be to God. In case you haven't noticed, trust just happens to be the most important and essential component of Holy Scripture 
and of our Christian faith as well. We, as the people of God, are called upon to put our trust wholly and completely in God, our Heavenly Father, above everything else. We have to learn through discipleship and hard work to lay that trust that we have at the feet of God in the joyful moments as well as in the hard moments and in everything that falls in between. This is what the law of Moses called God's people to do in the Torah. And this is what the history of the Jewish people lays out over and over again, what the prophets declare when the people fall away from the Lord. And of course, trust is at the heart of the message of Jesus Christ, God incarnate, as he proclaims over and over again in the good news for us to be not afraid. And to be not afraid, we must learn to put our trust in God. That's certainly where we are this morning in that short but powerful reading that comes to us from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. For Jeremiah is speaking to an Israelite community that has yet again over the course of its history fallen away from God and begun putting their faith and trust in idols and in themselves above Yahweh. So the warning that emerges from this is crystal clear through the prophet and important for them to hear. God speaks through Jeremiah saying, thus says the Lord, cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in the uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. As complicated as the laws of the Torah have been for the Israelite people, what God is laying out through the prophet Jeremiah is again that if they will but trust in God, everything else will move and form and grow from that trust. Placing trust in things in this fallen world and in that which has been created by human hands and bearing human flesh is not only idolatry, but it is the counter to the law, and it is also a recipe for total disaster. God, through Jeremiah, calls that nothing short as a, of a curse that will always appear when the people suddenly find that what they've placed their unfounded faith in does not hold up when relief and reprieve is needed in our human life when they suddenly find themselves in the parched places of the wilderness that we all come to, and in those uninhabitable salt lands, they will be like dusty shrubs in a waterless desert, and they will be forever without God's grace and love. And when we open up the Gospel of Luke this morning and arrive at Luke's version of what we know a little bit more familiar with more familiarity from the Gospel of Matthew as the Sermon on the Mount, we actually find Jesus is stressing essentially the very same thing that we hear in Jeremiah this morning. In Luke, the Gospel writer is removing the image of God from Matthew's Gospel going up to a high place and setting the bar high above the people. And instead in Luke, Jesus has gone down as is actually speaking in the gospel from a level plane in which he can see and meet the people of God face to face. In that intensity and seriousness, Jesus begins saying the familiar, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now for you will be filled. 
Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. But that's not where it stops in Luke's Gospel. For Luke, it's not left with those simple but meaningful beatitudes. Rather, looking at the people face to face and eye to eye, Jesus needs to go farther and warn them of the very dangers of those that they already feel like they have all that they need. Jesus follows that up by saying this, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Now the harshness of Luke's version of Jesus' sayings might very easily cause us to really overlook and miss the mark altogether by reading this as simply speaking literally about poverty and wealth from thousands and thousands of years ago. But at the heart of it all, we have to arrive and face up to the very fact that Jesus is actually continuing to speak to everyone around him and to all of us through the ages, regardless of where we stand in culture or class in the here and the now. Jesus is following up the blessings with the real warnings of those who fall into the trap of ever placing trust in and above God in the material world. For anyone who's already feeling that they've been filled up with all they need, who have happiness in which they are seeking, and who put their greatest value in being looked upon well by the powerful and the wealthy in the world. Jesus includes the woes to point us back again to that curse that we heard that God speaks of in the prophet Jeremiah. That trust that in this world, over and against and above the trust in God, there is failure and there is pain and there is isolation. When the moments that we will arrive in and when we will be needing God's help will only have for us that which the physical world can and cannot provide. I was thinking about that this past week because I was gathered in a room with a lot of good people that I'm gathered with most weeks, and our conversation began to turn away from talking about the Bible and to deal with that which all of us face as human beings, that one thing that we all come to in our lives, which is death. In the room were people of a lot of different ages, some in a place where death was, God willing, still a good distance away, and others who might be much closer due to time and to age. And as we were all talking about it on different levels, the oldest person in the room quickly raised up her hand and she said, you know what, no matter what we say, I can tell you that I am not at all afraid to die. And in that moment, I suddenly realized that all of us in that space had really come to what is at the very heart of where we trust God to come into fruition and to overturn all the things of the world when we're able to place our trust in God, the trust that both Luke's gospel and Jeremiah are speaking to today. For in the face of death, it doesn't matter how wealthy that we've become or how happy we've been able to live out our lives or how healthy and filled our bodies 
have experienced life because death robs us of everything that all that we do in this world calls us to put our trust in. But brothers and sisters, if we can arrive at a different trust, the trust that God calls us to put above everything else, the trust that God has set as the foundation of which to build our lives on from the very beginning of creation, if we can do all of that, if we can find a way to stay hungry and thirsty for God, seeking Him and placing God and God's love above everything else, then we may arrive at that same place that the faithful are, even when they face that which is the hardest for us as human beings to face, that is death. If we can have that trust, then we can begin to rest in the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. That only in trust of Him is there a foretaste ever of the glory that is divine that we're called to seek out. Then we too can one day join in that very same phrase and say that I am not at all afraid to die because death has no power over me and in my trust and hope in Jesus Christ who is the Lord. Listen again to the words that come to us this morning in the prophet Jeremiah. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by the water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not, it shall not fear when heat comes and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious and it does not cease to bear fruit. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're called on in our faith to find a way to trust that which will sustain us through everything, through the easy times and the joyful times and the celebrations and the setting up, but also in the hard times and in the struggles and in the cleaning up and the setting out that we all face in our lives. May we have the faith to trust in God.